Happy last day of summer, at least for us anyway. Robbie and I are in our small little Santa Barbara rooms right now, getting ready to start classes once again tomorrow, which will be on campus, but we're living in the present, and I'm truly excited for our guest on the show today. Yeah, and the fact that we're actually excited about another online call with somebody really says a lot because Zoom has become one of our least desired acquaintances, as yeah. evidenced by our uh, recent technical difficulties on Zencaster. <laughs> yeah, it's like that friend you have to hang out with who was forced to become your friend because your parents made you go to your older sibling's soccer team party and they're like the only other younger sibling there, but then you hang out with them all year and it just becomes weird and uncomfortable. Wow, a uh, <laughs> great analogy there that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. <laughs> well, anyway, we won't keep our guests waiting any longer. She has one of the most fascinating stories I've heard in recent memory, from working with the horses in the UK to serving as a coaching intern for the Buffalo Bills, and now back in Germany coaching football. She's seen it all. It's Phoebe Schechter. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I didn't even realize it was the last day of summer and that you got classes. So this is like a big day for you guys as well. So I appreciate you making time. Oh, of course. We're on like opposite sides of the spectrum. Like I have one more quarter. We do the weird quarter system here. I got 10 more weeks of school and they're all like really easy classes. And he is going on campus for the first time, just like starting real college. Yeah, exactly. Even though I did do online school last year, it feels like this is college for the first time. Yeah, you need the full experience. Like being on campus is so different to doing it virtually. And now you actually get to like see people in real life. So I'm so stoked for you. You're gonna have such a great time. You will have a great time. Yeah, I hope so. It's gonna be crazy. Uh, okay, well, getting all into the craziness of the life of Phoebe Schechter. So not going to make you repeat everything that you've already probably gone through in a bunch of past interviews. I've listened to a few of them. Very good. Uh, so I know that you weren't very involved in football before seeing an ad on Facebook, but I'm curious to learn more about your familiarity with the game at that point. Like, would you say you were more of a casual fan and had a general understanding of the rules or was everything pretty brand new to you? Yeah, everything, I hate to admit it, was definitely really brand new to me. It just, you know, I can probably remember going to like three Super Bowl parties prior to moving to the UK and that was probably the extent of me watching football. Um, you know, I think partially that's because horses is just a 24-7 full-time thing and I was working, so I didn't really have the attention for that. But it was just never something that really spoke to me. So that's why I was pretty crazy when I moved over to the UK and got involved in something that I literally never had any interest in. Yeah, no doubt. And you ended up playing a position that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah, so you played linebacker for the Birmingham Lions in England, and that's probably not the first position that comes to mind when we think of someone playing football for the first time. So what was it about linebacker that you found appealing? Yeah, so when I first started playing, I was pretty much because of my accent put at quarterback, and 
I really was not good. Like they just assumed because I had an accent that I could throw a football. But, you know, even as a quarterback, I had quite an affinity for contact. So, you know, you'd get people that were coming to tackle you. I would drop a shoulder, not necessarily things that you wanted from your quarterback. So when it came to the time when we actually had a quality quarterback come to our team, our head coach at the time was like, look, you're going to have to find a new position. Why don't we just try you it on defense at linebacker? And I remember, you know, it was like an old school, like box drill that we were doing. And I remember being in there and hitting someone intentionally for the first time. And I thought, oh my goodness, where has this sport been my entire life? You know, and like, I'm five foot three, five foot four, uh, probably like 145, 150 pounds. Like I've pretty much been this size since I was 13. So, you know, it's not really expected, but honestly, like I wish I have had like this sport in general, specifically this position where you just have free reign to hit somebody. (laughs) That honestly sounds so fun. Like I never played organized football outside of like flag football with my friends or anything, but I guess, I don't know, maybe we should just start like hitting each other when we're done recording and just see if we like the amount of contact. Yeah, maybe uh, a little wrestling match could release some pent-up anger. Who knows? I don't know if I have a lot of pent-up anger Casual, you, but <laughs> I don't know if you could say the same. <laughs> maybe a topic for another time. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So you end up back in the U.S. exploring opportunities to coach in the NFL and ultimately end up with the Buffalo Bills. Now, by my understanding, when you officially secured the job, Sean McDermott didn't offer you a position on his staff. He commanded it. Is that correct? (laughs) He was, yeah, he was great. So I had basically done a first training camp with him in 2017 And I was in no place ready to be on an NFL team as a staff member full-time. Like my, you know, literally going from knowing nothing about the sport only a couple of years beforehand, my learning curve was, was massive. So I went away for a year, went to, um, went and worked at Bryant University, which is on the East Coast, learned and then came back and, and reapplied essentially for the role and got the training camp internship again at the end of training camp when he offered me the role. I mean, I was so ecstatic about it. It was just, you know, I I just think that there's not many opportunities or moments in life that you can feel so happy and nothing else matters. And, you know, like you're on top of the world. And for me, you know, working for someone like coach McDermott, it doesn't matter what in sport, in life, in whatever organization to be able to be around someone like that and learn from him. It's just been unbelievable. That's incredible. And so when he I mean, because you were about to, at least considering taking a job with a different team, right? The Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, exactly. So um, going back to your point about commanding it, when I I had literally left a meeting with Scott Pioli, who I'm so fortunate to have as one of my mentors and, and really close friends. And he was the GM with the Falcons at the time. And I left a meeting with him in New York City. I had an email from Coach McDermott and basically saying to call him right away. And I I remember the phone call so well because it still gives me like goosebumps about it. But he got on the phone and he was like, you know, are you speaking with anybody else? And I wanted to be really transparent. And I said, well, you know, I'm speaking with the Falcons and Scott. And he's like, right. He's like, well, tell Scott Pioli, thank you, but you're going to be a Bill now. 
And that was it. I just knew the gut feeling, everything. I was like, yep, it's happening. He said it. Let's go. <laughs> Where's your phone call to become a bill, huh? <laughs> I'm still waiting on it. I'm sure uh, it's coming <laughs> from Sean. <laughs> I actually met Mr. Pioli a few years back um, at the NFL owners meetings. He was just super, super nice to me. Like, I'm like, I'm just like a guy, you know, I, you don't have to be that nice to me, man. But he was wonderful. And I think you might have met him actually like a few years back when we went to Arizona the first time. So, oh, really? It's possible. Yeah, it's well, possible. Everyone we met there was super nice. So. Yeah, except for a certain coach who wears a hoodie, who I felt like was the closest thing to a Dementor, you know, from Harry Potter. Yeah, who may or may not have faked a phone call coming out of a meeting to avoid talking to reporters. Oh, man, the amount of stories. <laughs> what a great idea. The amount of stories we could say on that man. Well, I mean, he is a winner, though, so like, we can't, can't argue with that. For sure. Okay, so For sure. 11 months. With the Buffalo Bills, that is a long time. Like, I just spent two months with the Rams and can't believe the amount of knowledge and memories that I've taken away from that. So when people ask you about that experience and like, oh, you work for the Bills, that's so cool. What are some of the moments that stick out in that crazy 11-month time span? Uh, I would say for sure, I mean... There's so many, but I would say one of the biggest ones is definitely our first win. Um, there's, you know, we were playing the Vikings in Minnesota and, you know, that's that one where Josh has that famous like leap over the guy. Um, and for me, like, you know, it's, it's tough. We had lost, I think three games before that. And we finally won this game. And I remember going into the locker room and just, feeling that energy after the game, like feeling that if you could bottle that up and sell it, I mean, it's just straight euphoria and there's, there's nothing like it to feel like all the hard work and hours that you're putting in are actually worth something is massive. So, you know, that is something that I will forever be able to hold that with me. Um, but I mean, you know, just being around the coaches, being around the players, just like missing practice, the things that are crazier, you know, you see on Sundays, you see these guys making these wild catches and, and that happens every day in practice. Like these, these athletes are doing these freak of nature things and it becomes the norm, which is like its own kind of mind boggling experience. Cause you're like, no human should be able to do what you've just done. So being around that, but just being around people that want to be the best versions of themselves for you, but also for the team is, is almost like an addictive environment that you just want to be around and, and constantly do whatever you can to grow and be better. Wow. That definitely sounds like a pretty amazing experience. And you said that one of the best parts about working for the Bills was just getting to interact with people every single day. So I'm curious if you grew particularly close to any of your fellow staff or players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was with, um, so my tight ends coach was Rob Boris. He was wonderful. I was the first intern he'd had in 13 years in the league. And that was such a, a wild experience for both of us, you know, learning for him, having someone like myself around all the time, also learning for me, how can I be thinking five steps ahead of him essentially, because he's been so used to doing it all these years on his own. He really challenged me. And then not only did he challenge me, but when it came to OTAs, 
he was like, offensive playbook, go install it with all of our rookies. So to feel like I had really earned the respect from him was great. But, um, you know, coaches, I actually spent a lot of time with the defensive coaches. Um, John Agarugu, who's now the linebackers coach at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, w- there's just so many great guys. Jimmy Salgado, who's a Nichols coach. You know, Leslie Frazier, the D coordinator. Like, all these guys are awesome. And when it comes to players, um, we had Charles Clay. He was one of our tight ends. And, I mean, he's a legend. He's mega. Uh, being around him, just a pro. Logan Thomas was wonderful. Jason Kroom. Uh, some of the other defensive guys, you know, you've got Levi Wallace, who's, you know, still balling out, Micah High, Jordan Poyer, you know, all these guys are are just class human beings. And I think that says so much to who Coach McDermott has, the coaches, but also the players that he brings around. You know, they're just some really incredible humans. It really is interesting to see how you just named off all those names. That was just a few years ago, but the football world is so big between a coaching staff, 53-man roster, then you got even more with training camp and all that, and just how frequently everybody's moving in and out. Like you mentioned, one coach now, linebackers coach at Vanderbilt, uh, Logan Thomas on the Washington football team. Uh, some of those players, like Jordan Porter, Micah Hyde, still on the Bills. So a lot of connections. That's really cool. And uh, going back to the thing about the first win, that actually – like, even though I was with the Rams for just a very short chunk of time, I did get to experience that one. They made the offseason trade for Matthew Stafford. Then just for months and months, they're talking about the lead up to September 12th. It's the first game at SoFi Stadium with fans. They debuted their new modern throwback jerseys, uh, new end zone design, just this whole giant big deal build up. And then you're at the game and... It's a really high stress environment because you could tell everyone's just put in so much work to make it happen. But then to get that win, you could tell just even like for all the people that were not even on the football side of it, but maybe just like sponsorships, community relations, whatever. It's just a huge relief going into the office on Monday, different kind of mood. So I feel you on that first win. Yeah. Um, But like, look. (laughs) The football season is long. I mean, between training camp, preseason, the regular season, hopefully the playoffs, like all the travel and sleep, sleepless nights along the way. So this isn't necessarily a football question, but just like, how did you manage to take care of yourself along the way to avoid burning out midway through the season? Yeah. And that's a really good question because that's a really important part of it. Um, and you know, I kind of learned from my first training camp that actually I needed like four weeks in advance of training camp to start like prepping myself for the long days, waking up earlier, things like that. And then when it got to mid-season, I think it was just finding time for myself. So for me, I would go to the gym and that was, even if it was for 30 minutes, it was just an opportunity for me to kind of shut out the rest of the world um, and just do my own thing. Luckily, we would have on Tuesday nights, we would have family night. So a lot of the coaches who had their, you know, wives or girlfriends or kids or whatever would bring everyone over. They'd all eat in the cafeteria. So I knew every Tuesday night between six and seven was my time. I had that time free so I could get something done then. But other than that, um, I think it was, you know, 
you just try and sleep the best four or five hours of sleep that you can get. Luckily, we have access to all the food and drink and coffee that you could ever imagine. Um, and, you know, just other than that, you just gotta, you just gotta stay on top of it in terms of like, if you're really feeling a certain way, all right, maybe, maybe I will try and sneak out like 20 minutes earlier tonight and just get a little bit extra sleep. But, um, no, you just know, like the adrenaline of it all really kind of keeps you going and, and you just want to, you just want to win. So yeah, I'd say gym was probably the biggest gift to myself that I could, that I could give, especially because I didn't actually have a car when I was in Buffalo. So I relied on, um, I lived with an athletic trainer, which was to be honest, like completely awesome for me because, uh, she was a girl. So that was important too, that I had, even if it was a five minute drive in the morning, we had five minutes of quote unquote girl time where I felt like I could just chat. We could, you know, whether it was about nothing or something, it was just girl time because the rest of the time, you know, I'm surrounded by guys all day, every day. So it's nice to have that little bit of a break to myself. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah, working for an NFL team definitely sounds like no joke. So props for you for uh, finding ways to take care of yourself <laughs> along the way and definitely valid to uh, want to have that girl time. But when, um, when are we going to have girl time? <laughs> I don't know. It's coming at some point. Which one do you think will happen first? <laughs> it's really up in the air. Hard to say. <laughs> Fine. Well, um, everyone plays bets now that sports betting is legal. Does that does that qualify under the umbrella? I think so. I think it'll probably be a, a bet in Vegas. In Money line Vegas. plus 400. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways... <laughs> I want to move on a little bit um, from your work with the Bills and talk about your first ever or the first ever high school girls flag football league, which included eight high schools in New Jersey. Um, how did you end up becoming involved with the league? And did anything that you experienced working with the Bills motivate you to try to get involved with this high school uh, flag football league for women? Yeah, and I'll start with the Bills element of things because one of the really cool things about Buffalo is the indoor, like the bubble, was actually community owned. So it would be pretty cool on, you know, weekends or during the week to see all these different teams coming in and they would always host NFL flag events. And I would make sure that if it was, you know, if I had time to pop down and see any of the flag teams, especially because, you know, it was very, very rare that there were many girls playing the sport so the community community team in buffalo were awesome they'd always let me know hey we've got three girls teams entered into a tournament this weekend if you want to pop down like they'd love it so i kind of started with that and then it was probably i guess just over a year ago now nfl flag created a females and flag ambassador program um so they reached out to eight of us um pretty cool like group of women um you know, we've got everyone from officials with Desiree Abrams to um, another coach, Jen Welter, uh, just like a really cool mix of people. And, you know, our goals are to create initiatives to help kind of elevate the spotlight for females within sport. Now, this also tied in line with the NAIA being able to offer scholarships to female high school football players. Um, well, 
to going to college. So, you know, it only makes sense that you kind of get this top-down approach. So the highest level of the sport are now offering college scholarships. So we need high school girls playing, which means we'll need younger girls playing. And I think with a lot of sport, you get drop-off, especially for females, kind of between the ages of like 13, 14 to 16, um, you know, especially entering those like high school years. So this has been a really great generator of, of getting more people involved. So when we found out about um, the Jets wanting to get involved and start their own high school league, that also tied in with Nike offering basically a ton of money to help support this. So uh, the Jets reached out and we did some pretty cool things. We had Kay Adams come on and we did a nice conference for the coaches and for the players. Uh, I mean, the girls got all the swag you could imagine. Like the Jets gave them jerseys and cleats and gloves. And I mean, they are literally set. Um, So it was a really, really, really cool experience to see, you know, females who probably a never had the opportunity to play the sport. And even those who love the sport now actually have a place to be able to play it outside of, I don't know if you guys have it. We had it when I was younger, we would just call it powder puff. And that was girls playing flag football. Um, So now it's actually like a legitimate sport where people are competing and you can obviously get a scholarship now. Yeah, I got to watch that full, uh, I think, eight episode series that the Jets put out. It was actually part of what I was doing uh, in the office for the Rams. And then I was thinking that like, I was like, wow, this is so cool. There's all this really excellent footage to think that it was still able to happen during a pandemic. Uh, You know, and I just thought like, wow, I wish that there were just even more footage because I probably would have got really into it if I was following the teams and like getting to know them all on a little bit of a deeper level. I really would have wrapped myself up in the story. But uh, one of my bosses actually was like, because I was just looking at a bunch of different features that different teams had done and raved about the Jets flag football series. And she's like, well, do you think you would have watched it if somebody didn't tell you to? And I was like, actually, yeah, I actually would have watched it. This was a, it was really cool. And I guess like I have a two part question here, which is the first part is, did these girls have a lot of prior knowledge and experience with football? No. I mean, some of them might've had brothers that played a couple of them to be fair had played, but a lot of them were kind of athletes from other sports, you know, track athletes, basketball, softball, anything like that. So it was pretty cool to really, I mean, the sessions that we were, we were coaching were literally ground up teaching the total basics of the sport. And I think sometimes that's actually the hardest element. You know, if you're around a sport and, you know, all the way through to high school, college, you just tell someone to go, go run a fade, go run a slant. But actually when you really rewind it back, how do you teach someone to throw a football? How do you teach someone to, you know, run a slant or to backpedal? I mean, how not many sports you have to backpedal in. So it was really a lot more of the fundamentals, which was awesome. And, and it also showed how much people could develop throughout. And then the series just showed how great it was and how, like, how far these teams came. And I think, you know, based off the back of that, we've had so many NFL teams reach out now saying, they want to do the same thing. They want to get leagues going. They want to get more girls playing the sport. So, you know, we've already started doing working with the Eagles, with the Bears. It's, yeah, it's pretty exciting, all the stuff we have lined up. That's super exciting. So having known that they 
didn't have a lot of prior experience and knowledge. Were you thankful to have been in their shoes before and understand how you could best help them because you went through the exact same thing with Birmingham? Yeah, massively, massively. And I think one of the biggest barriers to participation a lot of times is literally the terminology. You know, it's so foreign and so specific to football. You know, I remember my first times being like, I have no idea what a, you know, if you're in flag, what a blitz is or rushes or, you know, what's the difference between a corner and a safety and a DB? Are they all the same thing? What does that actually mean? So, you know, it, it is literally like its own language. And I think if you can start to really help people understand the big picture, and then we can break it down into smaller bite-sized chunks after that. But yeah, I think, I hope that I could share that my experiences and, you know, even if I've coached at the highest level, like it, it doesn't mean I've ever stopped learning. I learn things from people every day and there's new ways of saying something or doing something. So, you know, there's always going to be something new for us to learn out there. And that's kind of the exciting thing about sport and football specifically. Wow, that's uh, that's awesome that you were able to expose this sport to girls that has really largely been restricted to men throughout the history of the sport. And I think it's really cool that you got to play a big part in that. Um, well, actually, not to cut you off, but just looking at the last couple episodes, it also defied a lot of gender stereotypes, too, with not just girls being able to pick up and learn the game really quickly and play it at a really high level, but... Uh, the final four teams got to go to MetLife Stadium and play the playoff there. And you saw like people wow. from the high school filling the stands and were really into it. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So I, I know that you talked Great. about um, <laughs> a lot of other NFL teams contacting you and wanting to get involved with the flag football leagues. So do you know anything about whether the league will continue for future for uh, future seasons and if there's a possibility of expansion to other areas? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's something, even if there's not an NFL team specifically in a state, obviously we don't have teams in every single state. I know now that they're already like uh, Georgia, for example, you know, obviously home of the Falcons and whatnot, but they're now reaching out to like Alabama to any sort of neighboring state, trying to help them out give them kind of a, a blueprint essentially of how they've done everything. So this is definitely something that's, that's going to grow. Um, you know, also like NFL flag has been taken over by a brand new organization essentially to run it called reigning champs experiences. Um, and ironically enough, Isel Reese, who's now the main man played in Buffalo. So already like he's just got his head on straight. He knows what he wants to achieve. Um, and like by pushing these NFL leagues, he's now getting more females involved, which also then in turn brings it to an even bigger picture because a lot of times, okay, so now they can play in college. Great. We're getting more teams. We're going to get JUCOs signed up to the same thing where they'll offer scholarships. And then beyond that, well, heck now the Olympics are looking to have flag football as their sport in 2028 because it'll be hosted in LA. Well, what comes off the back of that? Okay, World Games. We've got World Games next summer in Alabama. So now you've got an actual pathway, whether you're a player from a young age, you can be six years old, 10 years old, whatever you want, 18, and say, I want to go to the Olympics and I can play flag football. Well, I mean, that's a dream for so many people. 
And that's just because of, you know, a lot of people doing a lot of work behind the scenes. Look how much goes into it. That's crazy. That's fantastic. I'd love to see some Olympic flag football in LA in 2028, but I just, we talked about LA traffic a little bit before the show. Like what's that going to look like? (laughs) Well, also, let's hope that the uh, LA Wi-Fi is good enough by them to allow uh, the viewers <laughs> to, to watch the stream on their computer. You know, that's a good point. Not only is there so much that goes into the logistics of making this happen, but then we have to worry about if it even gets approved, what's the Wi-Fi situation going to be? <laughs> <laughs> oh my big, big talks. <laughs> okay, so... Part of me didn't want to ask you this question because it's so cliche, but I decided that it was okay since you truly have had a unique story. So if you could go back in time, what would you say to the 18-year-old version of yourself who probably didn't foresee a lot of this coming? Oh, man. Um, Truthfully, like I would never change a single thing about my journey in terms of like moving to the UK really was the catapult for me getting involved in sport. What I would say is more specific to um, more specific, I guess, to like coaching and football is believe in yourself and understand and appreciate that you have earned every opportunity that you've gotten. And don't let that kind of like, imposter syndrome sit on your shoulder and tell you that you're anything less than or that someone else deserved it more than you because you absolutely earned it and that probably sounds cliche in its own right but honestly like the amount of different thoughts that go through your head and you know I I now in hindsight can be like well if I don't believe in myself how do I expect anybody else to believe in me so those are probably my biggest learnings or, or biggest things that I would tell to my younger self like that. like that a lot. <laughs> Believe in yourself, Robbie. Thanks. You're not 18, but you just turned 19. So yeah. can, we, can we apply this to you? Is that legal? I think so. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, okay. A little bit of a ridiculous question because I'm really thinking of my friend Patty from the Rams who trying to drill astrology into my brain. You just celebrated <laughs> a birthday at the end of August, kicking off Virgo season, uh, which I believe ends today, actually. So uh, what are your thoughts on Virgo, astrology, all that stuff? Uh, I love it. I mean, I I definitely have started kind of looking more into the, the Virgo side and like astro- astrology in general. But I mean, heck, like, I am a Virgo through and through. Like it is, it's crazy sometimes when you look up any of that stuff, but it is definitely like me to a T. Um, I don't know if it teaches me anything or if it just makes for really fun memes to share with people and be like, sorry. But uh, <laughs> yeah. How about you guys? What are, when are your birthdays? Um. Wow. I'm actually uh, the first day of Leo season. So uh, a Leo okay. cancer cusp, as I like to say. <laughs> That's a thing. Nice, nice. Of course. Okay, so I am, if you couldn't already tell, by the way, because, you know, it's so clear cut, uh, I'm an Aries, April 14th. So, you know, classic Aries, right? Yeah, well, let's just hope that 
Leos, Virgos, and Aries are all uh, compatible for appearing on a podcast together. <laughs> exactly. We made it happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So far, so good. Once we fix that uh, LA Wi-Fi. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, before we wrap things up Always here, like those. Who cares? <laughs> um, we just have <laughs> one final question for you. Um, what's the next chapter in... Phoebe Schechter's epic journey. Oh man, this is something I always need to evaluate. So I'm just finishing up out here in Germany. We are in the playoffs right now. Um, semifinals this weekend. We had quarters last weekend. So hopefully we make it to the finals for the, I mean, this is playoffs the first time in this club's history, which is great. But um, in the future, I think my overarching goal has always been bridging the gap between the U.S. and the U.K., um, and using the tool of American football to inspire people. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely have so much that I want to achieve. I want to get back with an NFL team. I want to, um, you know, find ways to get more females coaching, get more females playing flag, get scholarships. So, you know, I don't know if there's necessarily a really one specific goal because I have so much that I want to achieve. And I feel like, even at 32, like I still, I've not done anything. You know what I mean? Like there's a world of things that I really want to achieve still. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far to say as you haven't done anything, but you know, I, I appreciate the humble attitude there, but I like that a lot. By the way, I think that two points to that one, if they start calling it American soccer, you know, I'm crediting Phoebe with that, with, you know, bridging football into <laughs> cross continents and then uh-huh. two is i'm all for uh giving women coaching opportunities and refing opportunities we just had one ref in the super bowl and aside from the fact that people working for these opportunities and just really expanding the game uh, the other aspect of it is i feel like with new refs coming in there will be uh you know they probably won't be looking for as many ways to just hand Tom Brady victories when they can. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm all for mixing it up and maybe we'll get uh, some new reps who aren't as accustomed to favoring Tom Brady. Yeah. The legend. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I respect his greatness and everything he's won, but like, to say that he's never gotten some luck would be a pretty blind perspective as a, as a football fan for us. So anyway, we're, we're better uh, Packers fans who know that our defense stinks and, you know, Aaron Rodgers will be gone in a year and uh, it's okay. We've moved on. <laughs> At least you can both sympathize together. <laughs> yeah. Aries and Leo style. Okay. So perfect. <laughs> We end every episode with our favorite segment, shout out to, you can shout out something totally relevant, or it could be something totally irrelevant. I always bring up Robbie's famous shout out to melatonin back in episode five. So uh, do you have any shout outs on your mind? (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Geez. That's like, I need to be better. Do you guys get to go first? Does that work? Can I do that? <laughs> oh, of course. You can go first. Well, uh, oh, by the way, we didn't actually clarify this at the beginning of the episode, but 
as Phoebe said, she is in Germany coaching for the Potsdam Royals football team. So she's just everywhere. I think that uh, I haven't done anything statement. Not quite so true, but um, anyway, Robbie, why do I uh, let you go first? Okay, sure. Um, I'll, I'll lead it off. I would like to shout out um, Scented Candles. Oh I think that it's uh, one of the most underappreciated industries out there. Um, my housemates and I went to Target the other day, and we were just in the scented candles section for like 30 straight minutes. We probably nice. smelled over like 200 candles collectively. Um, we were just out there making a scene. And I know, speaking from recent experience, that scented candles have the ability to really um, mask some disgusting smells and um, just increase the overall appeal of one's place of residence because my roommate actually decided to put one of his t-shirts in a bowl of milk and then leave it there to like rot for three days. So my room was smelling pretty disgusting until that moonlit hibiscus candle made its way into our room and we lit it up. And ever since then, we've had no issues. Nice. And it's pumpkin spice season. I would say every coach's desk, every coach's office always has a scented candle on full burn all the time. So you're you're right in line there. Oh, interesting. Well, I guess you learn something new every day. But um, wow, maybe that's how me and Sean McDermott <laughs> will get connected. We'll figure out that we have a similar taste in scented candles. That could be it. <laughs> I'm starting to believe a little bit. I felt like the more you kept talking, by the way, the more it got... <laughs> It just got progressively more ridiculous. And by the way, like, yeah, you know, 19-year-old college student things? We were in Target exploring the scented candle section for 30 minutes. Oh, yeah, the hibiscus. Yeah, that's why we have so many friends around here. My goodness. Okay. Uh, I really think that I need to just make this segment yours at this point because I'll never be able to top your shout-outs. Uh, I'm going to take the more wholesome route here and just a shout out to all the people who do what they do because they're driven by passion. Maybe you're not getting the recognition and praise you deserve, but you care so much that you work that hard anyway. If there's one thing I'd like to take away from Phoebe's story, and she sort of touched on this a few minutes ago, but it's that somebody's age, race, ethnicity, religion, education, geographical background... And yes, even their previous work experience are all going to speak lower volumes than their level of passion. So if you legitimately care about the people around you and the goals you're working toward, if you're willing to fully immerse yourself in the process, then your options are endless. Well put. Greg, you killed it. (laughs) I don't think it was better than scented candles. (laughs) Tough one to beat, tough one to beat. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, mine kind of similar to yours, I guess. Like shout out to all the people who are taking risks, taking advantage of opportunities and aren't afraid to fail. Or even if you are afraid to fail, that's all right. You're still putting yourself out there because you never know what the outcome could be. So um, yeah, keep doing you. And uh, I have to say go Potsdam Royals because we have to win this weekend. (laughs) We'll be rooting for the Potsdam Royals. Uh, so it's a review, two normal <laughs> shout-outs, and one you. 
I mean, I just think that overall, I probably am giving better advice to our listeners by uh, advocating for scented candles. Um, not that your life advice wasn't insightful or good, but I think um, <laughs> potty train me audience will appreciate my shadow a little bit more. Yeah, what can I say? You're probably <laughs> right. I, by the way, I can picture <laughs> Natalie's face. That's our older sister. I can picture her face as she's listening to that last five minutes. <laughs> Do you think she's going to like it or hate it or both? Probably a little bit of both. Okay, that's, that's probably right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, Phoebe, thank you so much for all your time. This was one of our favorite shows. It was cool for us to do a more serious and insightful interview because uh, you could probably tell we're really sarcastic and just banter all the time. And, you know, that probably gets a little tiring for everybody. (laughs) No, you guys are great. And it's been great to speak with both of you and get to know you both better. So thank you so much for having me. Of course. I think you know everything about us now with our astrology signs, right? Obviously. That's all I need. (laughs) All right. Well, a happy end to Virgo season, everybody. Happy fall. I don't know. We got got some good stuff coming in the fall. I think it'll be good. Go Potsdam Royals this weekend. We'll be rooting for them hard, just like we'll be rooting for the UCSB Gauchos. Sports are back in action. They never really left our hearts, you know. And we will also be back with another episode soon. Don't exactly know what, but it's the element of surprise that's always going to be the fun part. (laughs) Any final words? I just like to say thank you so much, Phoebe. Had a blast on this podcast. Thank you, guys. You've been great. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, we'll catch everybody soon. Listen to all of our episodes. If you want more ridiculous weird banter between me and Robbie. You could probably find that on like any episode. So uh, anyway, knock yourself out.